Hi, I'm Emma Cox with McDonald's Corporation. Uh, we're really happy to see such a full room. Um, I wanted to uh, just quickly thank Molly Ellingson, uh, who's somewhere, um, who played a huge role in helping plan this program. So thank you so much, Molly. Um, I also want to call out my fellow chairs, Kurt Karnatz and Rob Weatherall. Thank you so much for your partnership on this. I think we put a great program together. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our wonderful um, rock star panelists um, today. So we have Nat Porter, who will be moderating our session today. Nat is uh, the managing director of the Chicago Office of Nelson, a global design, architecture, branding, space planning, and space management organization. His responsibilities as managing director include growing the business, creating a positive culture, building the brand, and ensuring processes continually improve. Recent clients of Nelson's in Chicago include Capital One, Google, Nielsen, GoGo, uh, Civis Analytics, and many more. Nat is newish to Chicago, so let's give him a warm Chicago welcome. And, and a fun fact about Nat is that he just bought a scooter. Bob Bangham is Rip Bang's co-founder and is the client's primary point of contact for all design-related issues. He is responsible for directing Rip Bang's strategic and creative approach. For over 20 years, Bob has employed a combination of marketing savvy, development strategy, thematic art, gra graphics, and architecture to design unforgettable commercial destinations. With a keen understanding of operational efficiency, his work focuses on the choreography of experiences and the design of immersive environments. I love that. And a fun fact about Bob is that his goal in life was to become a car cartoonist, which he has partially already done in being a cartoonist for buildings. Uh, Thomas Holes is currently leading the branding efforts at GoGo, an in-flight and internet and in in-flight entertainment provider um, for the headquarters in Chicago, where the physical space sets the brand stage for employees and visitors. He has over 15 years of brand development on the client side with global brands like United Airlines and GoGo. His current role at GoGo is not limited to in-house brand development, but he also works with GoGo's airline partners to achieve the respective airlines' desired branding with GoGo. And a fun fact about Thomas is that he has been to over 25 countries. Tom Silva is the founder of Silva Brand, a brand consultancy and marketing agency in downtown Chicago with a focus on, on commercial real estate. Over more than 20 years, he has branded national developers, brokerages, property management firms, as well as high-rise office towers, big box industrial, and mixed-use developments. Fun fact about Tom is that he used, to he used to have a band called Clara May, everyone can look this up, that was featured on Rolling Stones. Yeah, we've got a great panel here, guys. Um, and then finally, we have Elisa Wolfson, the EVP Head of Design at Leo Burnett in Chicago. As a leader in the agency's US design practice, Elisa oversees brand extension and campaign 
visual identity for Samsung, Kellogg's, P&G, and many of the agency's cultural and socially conscious clients. Her work has been recognized by industry awards, including the inaugural D&AD White Pencil, Best in Show at the One Show Design, and the first ever gold pencil awarded to design for the greater good. She has been named for she, had, she has been named one of 30 women to watch by Ad Age magazine. And a fun fact about Elisa is that she will be embarking on her first ever cross-country adventure with her family in one week. So let's uh, join me in welcoming a very talented and rock star crew, our panelists. Thank you. Thank you. Holy man. What a bunch of talent up here. Can you believe it? Come on up, guys. So the genesis of this came when uh, Eric Braun came into the office and said, we've got an opportunity at uh, Coronet to do the luncheon. What should we do? And um, I was new in town and thought about the different pitches I'd been on. And uh, three things came up again and again and again as we presented for work at these firms. What was the very first most important one? Cost. Always. Um, and after that, it was how do we attract the best and brightest? And secondly, how do we bring our brand to life in the space? So I knew that our opportunity should revolve around one of those two, if not both. And uh, brand just came to life. Um, and that led to this incredible panel where we're trying to get some different viewpoints on the subject. One is Leo Burnett, icon, and not really about branding space, all the way to Tom Silva, who's all about branding space. Bob Bangham creating experiences using design, and Thomas, an end user, um, who's gotta live with that branded space. So I've asked each of them to put together a little uh, short PowerPoint. I'm gonna try and keep them each to two to three minutes. And each of them have about 50 slides. So Bob, you start off. All right, I'm, I'm going fast. I'm going roll fast. Them, baby, so, roll them, baby, roll them. Am I on? You are. I'm on. Um, so uh, I'm from Rip Bang Studios. We are the um, experience branding division of Nelson. So uh, full disclosure, uh, we work together. <laughs> um, what we do is uh, we apply brand strategy, graphic design, uh, and storytelling to the built environment and and collaborating with architects and um, interior designers. Um, I'm from Los Angeles. My, my work <coughs> started in the entertainment industry. Um, so um, my application of branding is storytelling. Uh, I created brand ex experiences through signage and graphics and things like that. Universal City Walk is an entertainment district in Los Angeles. <coughs> Is it working? There we go. Um, whoops. We also do a lot of wor work in the sports and entertainment world with, with teams to bring their brands to life <clears throat> and how that might relate to, to this industry is that we also help brand um, buildings and campuses and, and things like that. Tom will talk a lot more about how the application of brand to real estate is, uh, is a value. <clears throat> and um, so th this is a uh, apartment building. We also work with directly with brands and agencies like Alisa's. Alisa's, um, we do um, mobile marketing events for 
for brands like Scion, where we take their brand and turn it into an experience that people can participate. Scion doesn't have their, or they're now gone, but they didn't have their own um, dealerships, so these were dealerships that traveled around to where their customers were. Uh, and we take brands and communicate them in three dimensions to get their, to get their um, brand messaging out to their core customers. Uh, these are a series of play and learn environments for PBS that are in shopping malls around the country. Uh, and we do a lot of restaurants where we take a, a chef and their brand and turn it into a built environment. Um, where creating branded environments is relevant, again, to this industry, um, as opposed to the entertainment industry, is that we work with a lot of brands uh, like Thomas's to tell their story both to their external audience, their clients and their customers, and their internal audience, their employees and those who work in the spaces. Um, this is a, uh, um, a technology um, client that we're doing their offices nationwide and telling their story through wall graphics and, and um, fun, entertaining uh, pieces like the bathroom there. Oops. And um, some, some clients also like to uh, just tell their story straight up so, they, so we put their, their brand messages directly on the wall. And with that, I will. Thomas, you want me to drive or would you like to control the? I can drive. All right. Although it looks like it's. Hopefully the next one will be. Half a brand. <laughs> Half a brand. As a brand person, I'm, I'm ashamed right now. I'm not quite sure what happened here. <laughs> so, so when I was asked to talk to you guys, I was thinking to myself, if I'm talking to a bunch of corporate real estate folks, where do I start? Start with the address, right? What was that? Oh, yeah, pull the screen down, it looks like there. Uh, and so the address, uh, so GoGo's at 111 North Canal. So you guys are all familiar with Chicago. It's between uh, Randolph and Washington. Uh, uh, that one's a little bit better. Not quite sure why we got two slides in there with like that. Uh, and so this is the GoGo building. So one of the things that's important for a brand is often to stand out, right? And one of the best ways that we could do it is in our negotiation was getting our name on the building. Uh, so you can see here, uh, this is one of the things that we're proud of, a way to stand out in Chicago and kind of... Uh, uh, put our mark that we're uh, a Chicago home hometown company and we plan to stay here and be strong in the Chicago environment. So if some of you might be thinking, what is GoGo or who is GoGo, what do we do? So GoGo, very simply, we put uh, Wi-Fi on, we put Wi-Fi on airplanes and we also do entertainment. Uh, so if you think of TV, videos, stuff like that while you're flying. Who we do it for? So we have two business units. We have our business aviation unit and they are based out of Colorado, outside the Denver area. And uh, they put uh, business aviation, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is uh, essentially private jets. And then we also have our commercial aviation division, which puts it on the planes that most of us buy tickets on. Uh, and some of our partners are right here. So we have 17 airline partners currently uh, around the world that we work with uh, in doing that. Uh, so branding the go-go space. So I figured uh, the, other, the other people up here are all on the agency side, and since I'm on the client side, I figured it'd be good for you guys to all have a quick, before we get into the discussion here, a quick kind of glance at what the go-go space looks like and how we kind of brought that to life 
with our brand. Uh, so you probably saw this when you're on the website signing up for today. This is our lobby, uh, our reception area. Uh, to us, the brand is about being clean, crisp, and uh, getting that brand across to where we are. Uh, we want to be refreshingly clear. So you can see it's a nice, simple, clean lobby. Uh, real quick, actually, another thing I should bring up since we're talking about buildings and stuff like that, uh, you'll see the skylights up there. This is something, you know, because we're in an existing building that's already there, but we also are an internet company, you know, and we deal with aviation. How do we take parts of the building that are already there and amplify them? And this was one of the ways that we did that. Uh, typically in branding, it's all about, you know, bringing out the colors or the logo or something like that. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is uh, we wanted to remind our employees and our customers when they come there that we do more than uh, or what we're about, what we, the space that we work in. So uh, as I mentioned, our building runs from Washington uh, to Randolph, so it's a whole city block. We have these great hallways that on each floor that run a whole city block, and we refer to them as runways. So in order to help kind of bring the aviation theme into the space, uh, we have these runway markings on each floor. Uh, right here, you can tell you're on the 15th south floor. So. Uh, another way that we wanted to uh, bring the brand into the, uh, into the space and let folks know that they work for an aviation company, that we're all around the world, the partners that we work with are all around the room, world, is naming our uh, meeting rooms after uh, airports. So each of the uh, meeting rooms that we have in the building have a three-letter airport code, so right here is Hong Kong, and then below that we actually have airport maps that kind of show what that actual airport map looks like as far as the runways and stuff. Again, a way to kind of bring aviation into the space. Like any company, we have to uh, show off our partners and stuff like that. A lot of companies have trophy cases where they have like, you know, their gold or bronze trophy in there. Our trophy cases are models of our, air, air, our airline partners. A nice way to kind of, again, bring aviation to the space and as people walk into the building, see that we're about aviation. Well, we have a test airplane, GoGo, which we go out and we do great test stuff on, but how do you actually bring that into the environment so that folks kind of feel like, hey, the, you know, the brand is part of that? Well, one of the ways we did that is we built a fuselage in our office. So when you first come into the reception area, uh, we have this great fuselage there, has some LED lighting on it that, where the lights can change. Uh, one of the things we're working on right now is uh, when our partners come in is being able to shine their logo onto the, project their logo onto the sign of that fuselage, change the windows to match their color. As soon as they come in, they feel this instant welcome and that they're a part of us and that's who we're about for the day. But you can't just have the inside of a fuselage, right, to get the eye candy. You have to be able to take it to the next level. So on the other side of that wall, we actually have a test lab where uh, we uh, do focus groups and stuff like that with our different individuals. We got real airplane seats, real side, uh, and then uh, obviously like the two-way mirror and stuff like that where you can see things. Uh, one of the things that's really nice about this is every time somebody comes in, they're kind of like, wow, you know, this, like you guys are in an aviation company. We also do testing in this with our own employees where we have them sit in the seats and say, what is it like to interact in this close of a space or this wide of a space? And this gets down to the details. So each one of the seats, you know, the brand is about the details. So the little things that can add up. Uh, and here's just a quick little uh, embossing there. Those look like uh, first class seats. You should have them just crammed in there as tight as they go. And, 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 and in fairness, there's a combination. We have both economy and first yeah, class. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think Emma gave you a pretty good um, introduction to our, our firm. 
I think one of the things that we're trying to do, we are focused, we are a branding agency focused exclusively on corporate real estate. And part of what we're trying to do is draw the connection between brand theory and all of the best practices that are coming out of the consumer packaged good, goods world, even academia, connecting that to corporate real estate and showing how we can actually, I like to say we can squeeze basis points out of real estate transactions with the power of brand. So um, as, as Emma mentioned, we've worked with brokerages, developers, uh, investment advisory, uh, property managers, and on and on, and different types of assets from downtown to suburban campuses and, on, and, and you know, really every type of product with the exception, I think, of multifamily. So what I want to do is actually take you into how we're thinking about brand and what the methodology behind what we're doing uh, is. So the, there's a lot, of, a lot of definitions for branding out there, some interesting ones. Um, but the one that I like is this one from Interbrand. And what it says is that a brand is a living business asset brought to life across all touch points. And if you succeed, it's about three things. It's about creating differentiation. How are you different from your competitors? Uh, it's about creating identity. Who are you? And then finally, value. Now, this works really well either at the organizational level or at the asset level. So this next slide is I think one of the key ones that I want to put in front of you guys. This addresses the question that I get more, uh, more than almost any other, which is what is the difference between marketing and branding? And the simple way I like to, to relate this is think of your business, your brand, as a jewel. You should think of it as a jewel. It's the most precious thing you have uh, professionally. And that jewel has three sides. So one side faces the customer, and that's marketing. And that's Peter Drucker, who really started management theory, who said the, that marketing is the entire business seen from the point of view of the customer. Simple as that. Now, branding, interestingly, adds two more sides to that equation. One side faces the capital markets, and we really feel this in commercial real estate, where the power of your brand has a huge impact on the valuation of your company. Now, it's interesting if, uh, you know, you met, we, we talked a little bit about musical background, but if you, if you follow rock music, you know that 1991 was one of the years when rock music changed because Nirvana re released Nevermind. Everybody after that was all about grunge. In branding, interestingly, the key year is 1988. That was the year that Philip Morris um, purchased craft for 500% of book value. It was also the year, same year, 1988, when Nestle bought their British competitor, Roundtree, 600% of book value. The guys on Wall Street were completely confused. And they could not explain this discrepancy between book value and what the actual exit on the, on the company was. The only thing they could figure out it was it was the power of the brand. And so we see this, of course, where you have assets when they trade at a six or a seven cap, and you see that the brand of the building is so strong in the marketplace, there, there's real, real financial implications to the power of a brand. And so that also applies, of course, to organizations. So we've seen a lot of consolidation in our industry. Cushman and Wakefield, DTZ, Cassidy, Turley, you're seeing all of this movement within the M&A side and within the outright purchase side. 
all of those being really d driven by, in many cases, by the power of the brand. The last part of this equation is really, I think, what we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about, which is the brand faces the internal culture. Your ability to recruit and retain the best and the brightest is hugely driven by the power of your brand. And so we're seeing this expressed uh, definitely in the built environment now. I'm, I'm dealing with clients right now that are so focused on culture and how that culture is expressed through the physical space, both the common areas, tenant suites, and even outside the assets within the campus environment and beyond. It's really getting profound. And so I think this is part of what I think is, is, is important here is that brand is simply not uh, residing at the level of touch points, it really goes all the way up the value chain to really the, the core and the meaning behind your asset, the meaning behind your company. Is that it? Yep. Great. Thank you. Elisa. Okay. So this is a test. Is it working? I, it doesn't feel like it is up here, but that's okay. My name is Elisa, and I work at Leo Burnett, the, quite the iconic uh, uh, creative agency in Chicago. We've been around for 83 years this year, and uh, in the last nine years, I've spent my career there watching a transformation from a traditional advertising agency to a full-service creative services agency. And um, what I really mean by that is inside Burnett Chicago and inside Burnett Worldwide, we have um, a multifaceted uh, type of business that handles end-to-end uh, -end, uh, marketing and advertising and design uh, from every touch point that a brand touches. So um, today I wanted to talk a bit about specifically what I do there. It is quite a large agency. We have 1,500 people in the Chicago office and um, 9,000 people worldwide. Um, and I have the pleasure of heading a department called the Department of Design, where I lead a team of 18 people through the branding and brand expression of a lot of our clients. And a lot of people ask me a question, uh, what does that really mean? What does branding mean? And uh, how does that manifest itself in a big, iconic uh, ad agency? And really, um, to me, branding is the connection of concept, craft, and storytelling all coming together to tell a story for a business that affects culture and change within the business to drive sales. Um, and branding creates loyalty and um, comes from authenticity of a product. So today I'm going to bring you through a case study, very short. Um, I was given the five slide rule, so a very short case study of something that we recently completed. Um, and the way we look at branding right now uh, from a creative services standpoint is um, the combination of all of these things. There's probably a hundred other things, but primarily we're looking at things um, from the data standpoint. You know, what is the input? How are our uh, consumers being affected by real things in life and how can we track that? Um, what is the strategy that can be created um, off of that data to be able to affect choices for how we make a creative uh, idea come to life? 
Um, then how do we manifest that idea in creative solutions? Uh, and that creative solution can be anything from something as fun as, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the Van Gogh room that was created through Airbnb where we were helping the Art Institute market the Van Gogh campaign. And instead of doing a normal um, out of home campaign or a television commercial, we recreated Vincent Van Gogh's uh, bedroom and Airbnb got to rent it out and you know it just went crazy. So it's everything from you know answering briefs like that to answering more tactical briefs that our uh, clients give us with um, more uh, below the line efforts. Um, and then we add in services like account production and our client collaborations. And then people ask me, well, where does design come in? Where does visual communication and branding come into that mix? And we sit squarely within the creative department and very simply we partner with um, art and copy, those two traditional pillars of uh, creative solutions that you might see in uh, Mad Men um, uh, to kind of uh, use a reference that we're referencing today. Um, and with the inclusion of design and bringing um, a holistic thinking, we're able to package something in a more omnichannel way so things can live and breathe and have much more consistency and longevity for our clients. Um, the thing that I want to talk to you very briefly today is something that we just recently can, uh, uh, finished for Ian J. Gallo. They had an opportunity for a vodka um, a product that they had that was, you know, scoring like 99.5% on um, the rating scale, and they knew they had a really profound product in place, but they wanted to innovate against uh, a market problem that um, vodka was all uh, kind of sitting in one space on top of each other. So um, we helped them with product innovation. We studied the data and research of where consumers were shopping for vodka and why they wanted it. And we um, found some white space for them um, and some strategic positioning for who their target consumer should be. Then we went through a whole naming and identity study on that information and um, summed it up with branding and package design for them that's now in, on shelves in three different test markets. And then we are now embarking on retail and figuring out all of their below the line POP. And we also have some web video and social content. And the product uh, that we came up with for them is called High Noon. And um, we realized that there was a big uh, white space opportunity for vodka in um, what we like to call leisure drinking. So, um, is there any other? Yeah. Day, oh, oh, well. <laughs> so, more like daytime drinking. So, like. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. So, I knew I was invited for, to this lunch for a reason, but. Um, so there is a big white space for um, our target audience, which uh, are millennial males. And we often found that folks were um, inhibited uh, to order you know, a Tom Collins out at night, but they would be much more apt to you know, have people over in their backyard and grill out and watch the game and you know, 
um, create mixed drinks or you know vodka and lemonade. And so we created this thing called High Noon, which uh, connotes this idea of uh, really enjoying like the daytime and the idea of summer and backyard and being around your friends instead of standing around um, a noisy, loud, uh, dark bar and um, having your experience be delineated in that way. So we created this flip top bottle, which is much more sustainable and can be reused. And um, we've created lots of different uh, expressions of the brand, everything from a blue solo cup that when you lift up, you see the brand on its bottom to uh, you know bespoke uh, items like uh, Chuck Taylor Converse shoes with the high noon label on them. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a lifestyle brand for these guys so they can really understand how to fit into the marketplace in a different way and um, enjoy this idea that we're calling leisure is luxury. So when you have some free time in this busy world and you're not like, you know, stuck at work or, you know, shopping on your phone and you want to have your buddies over for a drink, um, high, news, high noon is an option. And so you can see that we've gotten into everything from website to social um, extension on the brand. And then here's just a little uh, example of how the brand comes to life in uh, traditional outdoor advertising. And so again, you know, it was really hard for me to pinpoint what to talk about today to give you a best indication of what I do and also what we do at Burnett. But this is, uh, this is kind of a good place to start and I figured we'd be ready to talk about having fun. Thank you, Elisa. Yeah. Thank you, all of you. Um, I think I need a brand, High Noon Alone in the Closet. <laughs> Would that be a problem? Uh, so I want to start with Elisa. Um, when you're working with a company building a brand, how often does the workplace come up or branding the environment? Is that rare that clients are bringing that to the table, or is that something you're hearing more and more of? Um, well, you know, part of my job as uh, the brand ambassador for both Leo Burnett and the brands that I work on is to, you know, what I lovingly like to call like evangelizing brands. So at, at Burnett, you know, it's very important that our workspaces are interesting and fun and, you know, ours are in a constant state of evolution. Um, when we bring the brand uh, forward for our clients, uh, we will jump on any opportunity to express that. And whether that's, you know, in the physical space, whether that's on premise, for instance, for these guys um, at a bar, um, or whether that's articulating the brand in any other kind of medium. So it's natural for it to come up? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's something that we talk about, uh, you know, the best brief in the world is brand expression and um, brand extension. And however it can be articulated based on the strategy or purpose for the brand is the best thing that we think um, that we can do for our clients. And sometimes it might be a physical manifestation, sometimes it might be um, something in the social space. Thomas, you have got one of the best branded spaces I've ever seen. Um, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> how difficult was it to get brand to the table? Is I mean, it's a real estate transaction, right? You're just moving people. It, and honestly, that's how it kind of started. So when we first kind of went into the space, we used to be based out in Itasca. And, you know, there was this huge kind of corporate culture, like we're moving to the city that just solves everything. Uh, from a brand perspective, I wanted to take it a notch up because I wanted us to stand out. Yes, we can attract talent easier and stuff like that being in the city, but how do we layer that up so that when folks walk into the building, both employees, because we want to kind of start from the ground up and kind of get them so they kind of live the culture, feel the culture, 
but how do we make it also so the customers, when they come in, uh, they feel, uh, to be clear, like we don't have a lot of uh, everyday customers kind of coming through the door, but when they do come through, you know, on a weekly basis, we want to make sure that we have this nice impact for them. So we, it was uh, the, the, the driving force behind it was trying to kind of create those aha moments where uh, for a company like us who works strictly with aviation, we wanted them to uh, understand that we know aviation, we understand aviation, we're about aviation. Uh, and so that's, as you kind of saw in some of the pictures, why we injected that uh, into the space. How, do, do you have any sense that it costs you X amount more to do all that amazing stuff? Certain things, certain things did versus certain things didn't. Uh, and of course, that's where you get into the things of, is it really worth it? Is this coming out of the branding budget or is this gonna come out of the overall build out budget? Mm -hmm. Uh, and some things at the time, like uh, the fuselage wall, I might have uh, fought for, and I was like, no, I'll take it out of the branding budget, but it was so well loved in the end, it actually came out of the build-out budget, and I didn't have to pay for it, so And the executives were supportive of all, <laughs> all your stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's actually like one of these things where uh, I think there's hesitation at first, you know, because they just wanted it to look nice and get in there, but they weren't thinking about what the colors, what the different aspects, and when they would come together, those little details that add up. Uh, and uh, once they kind of got in there and they, they, they were kind of at awe, honestly, um, and the feedback that they were getting from employees. So I actually just take more uh, pride in the feedback from employees versus executives in the sense uh, executives uh, have a tendency to be, uh, you know, they want it to look good. They have, they have stake in the game. The employees, they don't have as much stake in the game. They can criticize as much as they want. So the fact that they weren't criticizing and that they were building it up and happy to be in there, it felt really good. So when I, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody admit it, but my mind and brand is all outward facing, all external, you know, you're building this thing in the minds of clients. And I, I mean, it's so obvious that it is about bringing that culture to life. So how are you guys doing that? How are you? I can pick up on, on what Thomas said, is that nobody designs or rebuilds or, or creates a new office for themselves without the intention of, you know, in making their business better. It's either through reduced real estate or um, increased productivity, worker productivity. And so when you're doing that, there's no reason not to reinvent or retell your brand story. So. So it shouldn't be an additional expense to the, to the physical expense. It's part of telling your brand story. And so I, I, you know, I think it's a great value to what, what you did to that, um, to that space because it's not about how much do we spend on furniture and how much do we spend on walls and how much do we spend on story. It's all the same. So I'm, I'm just curious on this culture employee side of things that if you guys have always thought of the internal aspects of branding and the value of the brand to and capturing the culture as you try and explain the brand. Is that like second nature for your, your world? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about brand, there's really two big artifacts that come out of the branding process. One is the creative brief, and the other one is the brand style guide. The creative brief is all what you're describing. The vision of your company, your mission, your positioning statement, brand promise, your values, your personality, um, your archetypes, all of those things are profound. And really, if you have an understanding of that, that's going to drive form in terms of the space. That form is going to drive meaning, and meaning ultimately leads to, to behavior within that space. So it's very organic. 
And as I like to say, you know, when you are in the process of branding, what you're trying to do is you're trying to give human forms to something that's an inanimate object, an organization, an asset, a space, whatever it is. You're simply trying to invest it with human properties and qualities. Because ultimately, you can only get your arms around something that feels human to you. That's what you can have a relationship with. And so that's part of the project of, of going through the brand process. Other thoughts? Yeah. And the great, and the great value to what, to what you just said, it, when you were talking about external branding is your understanding of it, what you tell your clients and customers, what you tell your employees and the people that you work with and how you build that culture is probably the most critical thing to recruiting and retaining employees is that people want to know why they work where they work. And they want to feel a shared value with their company. And if you don't communicate that, then you don't have an edge against your competitors in, in, in attracting new talent. Mm -hmm. Would you agree on that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I heard a story this morning about a Facebook space. And the word Facebook doesn't appear anywhere in the space. The color blue isn't anywhere. And clients never come into the space. But it totally captured the culture. And that just, again, reinforced in my mind that this is about the multiple audiences you showed. Um, so what, what's the biggest challenge you faced in trying to bring a brand to life in space? Well, I think the biggest one in, in um, real estate is the silos. We in our industry, as you know, I think the, this room attests to this, mm -hmm. we are all subspecialists. We all have our own areas that we really get go very deep, and we're and oftentimes what the the big the biggest struggle is, how do you take the brand, and shepherd it, mentor it across the entire value chain, across space planning, base building architecture, uh, landscaping, delivery of services within the asset, um, even through all of the different interactions you know with with the tenant. Um, all of those things are very hard to, to piece together. And so I think that this is where the next iteration in terms of brand and real estate is, is to create a kind of common, um, you know, multipurpose group across all those different disciplines that is entirely infused and invested with the brand. And, has a, and, and how many times have you guys gone to a website or received a piece of collateral or met with with somebody from a company and enter the space and thought, this looks nothing like what I expected. And that's part of the reason, I think, is because we still have these silos within our industry. So I think this is the biggest challenge right now. Other, yeah. We deal a lot with the idea that, that people think that sticking the logo on the wall makes it a branded space. And it's really, I mean, everybody here is talking about you know, communicating the values and the, and the culture of the company. And it's, so it's, it's not just sticking a logo on the wall. It's making sure that all aspects of the experience reinforce the brand and not just, you know, wall Branding's easy, right? Standing in front of a logo isn't, isn't creating a, a branded space. It's about the whole space reinforcing the values. We don't do spaces as much as you do. So what do you think? Uh, for, for me, I think the biggest challenge, or the, the biggest, which almost turns into the biggest opportunity, is that uh, is taking and making it so these, it's the internal. Uh, with branding right now, I think there's so much about going external and stuff like that. And as we've kind of hit on already in this the, today, 
uh, it, it's really about branding from the inside, getting, getting it. And you see that with uh, some of the bigger companies that are out there, the more well-known spaces that get a lot of publication time and stuff like that. Oh, the, uh, the Googles of the world, the Apples of the world, or whatever, they're doing this on their campus, and that makes it great. But what are they, the, we got to think about is what is going on behind that to create the culture of that? Why are they doing that? What's incentivizing them? Uh, and, it, and sometimes it's about just retaining, re retaining the right employees. Other times it might be about uh, the culture that they're trying to get through. Uh, an example I'll give is we, had, uh, we could have easily put drywall offices in and brought this up in a previous conversation with a few folks. Uh, and you know, it would have cut costs down and stuff like that. But one of our brand personality things is to be refreshingly clear and open. So because of that, we have glass walls in all the offices so that there's this transparency as people flow through uh, to give this uh, in it, the sense that we're all in it together. Hmm. So um, what is the, if you had to name one thing, if a client was saying, I want to bring my brand to life in the space and, and you could only, they could only do one thing, what would that be? What would you advise them to do? Paint clear, the logo. Clear, clear, consistent, and and authentic storytelling. Get your story straight. Don't don't be too complicated, and let that story guide the development of your space and the building of your brand. I would say follow your purpose. There's a reason why you exist. If you exist for transparency, then you know don't have closed doors. And I think that you know you find that in any expression of the brand, just to make sure that you're. On, on your best day, you're, you're living your best self as a brand and showing up how, you've, how you want to be seen in the world in whatever articulation that, that is. Mm -hmm. Other thoughts? Well, I mean, the, the, the one that's probably the most in vogue right now is this Golden Circle by Simon Sinek. And I think some of you may be uh, familiar with it. But essentially, he, his big idea is that everything starts with a greater why. So most companies um, are invested in what they do. What are their products and services? Some of them make it to how do they do it? Supply chain, customer support, you know, all of the qualitative issues that make a business succeed. But what Synax says is that very few companies make it to figuring out why, meaning, purpose, all of these things. And so I think that core meaning behind your brand will absolutely drive uh, the brand expression, visual, verbal, but also visual. So, you know, you mentioned that um, why, does, why does space sometimes not succeed? All of you have had this experience. You go into a beautiful asset, beautiful uh, building, and there's dead space. Nobody's using it. People aren't gravitating to it. And it's almost like it's really mysterious. And we went through this recently with a, with a client, gorgeous, super premium class A building. And of course, when I looked at it, I thought, boy, that's really interesting. There's something about the geometry of the space which is very, very off-putting. Well, what is it? Again, we're in the business of really like, like physiological level. We want to get people to experience oxytocin and serotonin. What we don't want them to experience is adrenaline and cortisol. Hmm. When we went, all of us stopped at this one area of the room and we said, ah, it's a series of sharp angles. Sharp angles evoke knives, a knife edge. What does that do? Well, it's, it's engaging the fear receptors in the brain. And it's, uh, it's unconsciously you're experiencing adrenaline and cortisol. It's mm. making you tense. Mm. 
things like that, I think, are such powerful uh, cues in our, in space, and I, they can make the, the they're the make or break in terms of whether something works or something doesn't. Great example of a of a failure of trying to brand um, other examples of those that you, is there something you wish you would have done differently in your space, Thomas? Uh, I, I think ours is more a, a cultural thing that um, you think about the different work groups that are in a company. Sometimes you have a tendency that you want to treat all the, the groups or the employees the same. Uh, one of the, the key learnings that kind of came out of us is we have some aviation engineers or some different work groups that maybe are at a different generation aspect compared to other parts of the company. Uh, so when it came to like open collaboration spaces and stuff like that, they weren't willing to engage in them. Like those actually, they kind of created tension with them, having people having open conversations and meetings sitting around them, where in other parts of the company where our, our tech type folks uh, they were all about the open collaboration spaces. So I think that kind of led to, I think one of the things I, you know, if we had done it again, you know, understanding or taking a look at uh, kind of those different cultures, subcultures of the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are regularly asked to create space like Google and Facebook. And we were at a company the other day that had all these great terms on their wall about open and collaborative. and. Um, you go into their space and there's a foosball table in the corner and the leg's broken off of it, no one's playing on it, because their culture certainly didn't, you know, wasn't okay to go play. That's, that's a, uh, uh, a thing that a lot of companies don't realize when they, when they are communicating their brand to the outside world of who we are and what we do, they forget to look and see if their own space reinforces that brand. And that's a lot of, you, you see that a lot where brands tell a story to their customers, but forget to realize it in their own space. That's often a big miss. Mm -hmm. So do you think the value of uh, branding and branding space is increasing in the customer's mind? Are they seeing more opportunity, more supportive of doing it, or again, feeling the pressure of cost, let's get it done, get it done cheap? Is it easier to sell your services today than it was five years ago, 10 years ago? I think it's easier. Why? <clears throat> um, because I think there's a recognition in terms, we're in a 5% unemployment economy. And I think the pressure to recruit and retain is so immense that I think you can play HR next to real estate. I mean, it's still, it's an easy equation. You, it's still, you know, overridingly about about labor, and so I'm seeing that the the concept of brand is moving up the value chain, and it's going all the way up to the top, where they are recognizing that the power of the brand is going to not only drive revenue to the company, but it's also going to absolutely influence your uh, ability to attract labor, and of course the valuation of your your firm to the capital market. So I think it's it's become much much easier. But it's a buzzword now. Branding is a buzzword yeah. now, and and we we all who who deal with it on a day to day basis don't have a common definition of it, uh, although a, a deeper understanding of it. And uh, that is a challenge. Is that um, you know while everybody is now seeing the value of brand, it's you were saying it best. It's not easy. It's complicated. It's yeah. a system. It's not a one answer. It's not a logo. It's well, a well. And we have. I don't. I mean, the 
uh, the industry that I'm in is changing so much that, you know, the, the need is there and the desire is there and we're finding more and more opportunities to um, uh, work with new people and, um, you know, build our client base. Um, but I think our clients, because we're all living in this branded world and, you know, we all have our definitions of what that means, um, both personal and professional, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's an interesting tension there because it's like, okay, I know I want it, but why do I want it? So there's questions. What am I doing? You know, how am I going to do it and why? Right. So there's 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 much more of um, a need. And, you know, the initial relationship is easier to be struck because of our, I think, sophistication about it as a culture. But the um, getting to that next place or understanding how you can actually articulate the brand in, in a new way is much more complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for me, you know, it, it's difficult because it looks simple, you know? Like when you see Target, it's like, oh wow, there's Target and it's so cool and, you know, we all look at it as like this truly intersected brand where you kind of feel it and see it in different touch points in a very consistent way. Um, and then it, the, the, the back part of that is like so complicated and, you know, companies have such a hard time, you know, distilling down their message and purpose to like a simple projection of their brand that, you know, the questions that have to be answered, you know, once you, you know, have that handshake in that first meeting are so much more complicated that, um, again, like there's some tension while it is easier because there's recognition that like end relationship and securing, you know, that ongoing sustainable client relationship is much, much more difficult. Can I, um, I wanted to quote a survey from Cornet that was done a, a couple of years ago. 77% of respondents said that brand was a driver for their business, but 15% said that their space actually reflected their brand, hmm. which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So start, it's time for your questions, so start thinking about them. If someone's got one, raise your hand right this minute. Yes, sir. A uh, question for Thomas. You said you went from Tasca to yeah. Is there anything that you would cite as a metric that has changed in terms of employee engagement or something that a CFO or something would point to and say, you know what, this was good and here's why? Uh, I'm sure there is. I haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but what I will say is we were expecting to lose a fair amount of our workforce moving because we had some people who were in the type of roles that there's plenty of those jobs out in the suburbs, and we thought we might lose them coming to the city. Um, we were fortunate enough that with our location, we have pretty good metro access, so they're able to get on and off pretty quick. And surprisingly, we, I mean, the attrition rate was minimal for them. Uh, which was a great, uh, we're taking as a great uh, kind of point of pride. But Are you winning the battle for talent? Are they coming to you? I, I think we are. I think Google we are. Because, it, uh, I mean, we're growing at such leaps mm -hmm. compared to what we were. Uh, to be honest, we're, all, we're already out of space, uh, which we didn't plan to be, so we're trying to figure out how to grow in that. Any other questions? Can yes, I ask please. you to speak Linda. into the mic? We just were podcasting this, so it doesn't get recorded so you if you don't speak into the mic. Outdoor voice. The outdoor voice <laughs> for high noon. 
Um, I'm Linda Ward with Hayworth Workplace Strategies. And to piggyback off your question, which I, was exactly what I was thinking, is have you done any pre and post metrics? I mean, branding is the artifact of culture. Those are things you can touch and feel. Culture is the tacit part of an organization, the beliefs, the values, how we behave. Um, and so the question is two parts. Have you done any measures on culture, uh, pre and post, and then finally on revenue, market share, mm -hmm. uh, as a result of, of brand? Thank you, Linda. Uh, so so culture-wise, uh, we have. So we, we already had in place uh, kind of the annual kind of 360 type reviews, which included uh, the physical space in it. Uh, um, and going year over year, we're coming up on two years, so we haven't quite done the second one. But the first year we were in the space, uh, I'm trying to remember, I want to say we were in the space five months hmm. uh, at the time that the, that the survey came out. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, the, employee, the employee engagement across the company was up, uh, which was a, a great win for us. Uh, we, we did some other things, though, brand-wise, besides just simply moving into the building. Uh, we started finding other ways that we could engage employees with the brand at the same time. Because so we kind of we took the, the move as a way to re-engage with them. So that kind of, there was that aspect. Uh, the second part of your question, I, I, don't, I don't have a good answer for that. Before I mean, and after. Yeah, the before and after. I mean, How about others? Are you... Are you asked to do that regularly? Take a snapshot of the Always. On every project, there's, you know, a, a, I mean, depending on what our clients need, you know, there's quantitative and qualitative information on every project that we have. I mean, that's, that's the good part. You know, that's the effectiveness, and that proves that the creative idea is helping grow business, and that keeps us open. Next question. <laughs> Thank you. Chris Cole from Forward Space, a steel case dealer. Oh. Uh, no, quick question. It's just uh, my question is uh, sp uh, speed to market. And I feel like every aspect of everything that takes place with people sitting in the room behind me is all about doing it faster. And can you slow these processes down, that physical space exploration, to, to have brand get mm. caught up? Or what is the pace? And even on the Leo Burnett campaign, what was the start and finish time of that gallo? project um, that project was a three-year project we the design the data and research component of it was about three to six months um, and then the um, ideation was actually the the smallest part of it we actually um, and I'll, I'll try to keep this short but when we presented that idea we actually presented that idea with um, archetypes in mind. So we rented a space on the west side of the city, and there were 10 different rooms, and we showed 10 different ideas. And in each of those rooms were the archetype of the type of person who would be buying that brand. So you know, we w were very thorough. It was really the, um, the product um, rollout and the ops part on their end that took the longest time for us. Yeah. Other comments on the time frame? Um, I mean, our process is to go through a, about a two-month discovery period, after which we enter into at creating the architecture of the brand, both the visual landscape and also the verbal messaging. So that's your creative brief and your style guide. So you, it could be exactly what Lisa's describing. It could be four to six months. It could be eight months, depending on the, the complexity of the project. But 
I don't see any reason that can't align with the development schedule. Frankly, I think it should. Um, if, it's, if it's done you know, with all the parties involved and the right stakeholders and the right executive champions on the inside, which is huge. If you have the C-suite, uh, if you have the people, the stakeholders really invested in the idea in, in branding, makes it a whole lot easier. So usually you, know, you have a, a CEO, for example, who really gets it and really understands the value of it. And, and so I think that makes it a lot, that makes it a lot easier. Next question. We have time for one more. Any takers? So, oh, we have one? <laughs> Do it, man, yes. Yes, much better your question than mine. Don't be shy. Yeah, yeah, he's Do going it. for it. So mostly uh, for Tom, you mentioned the struggle of having like two different, maybe conflicting subcultures and a sing yeah. having to share a single space. How did you, how did you deal with that? Uh, so it's so it's actually uh, it's it's grown in a nice way in the sense that one of the things we did in uh, the development of the building is we have our main cafe upstairs, but we have these galleys as we call them, you know, to kind of keep with the airline theme on each floor. Uh, but the galleys on each floor are very stripped down to basically just kind of coffee and water stations. And if you really want anything more, you have to go upstairs to the cafe. And then there's the lounge where you add the beer, and that gets even more people up there. Uh, so really, it was it was causing people to circulate. So causing them to have to go up there to these other floors, to these other parts of the building, and interact with each other, which kind of helped bring the cultures together where they may not know each other now, but you'll see like the friendly smiles, you'll see them nodding, you'll see them like helping each other out and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what drove it is literally almost taking some of these physical spaces and forcing them to have to interact through their movements. Excellent. You guys were amazing. Give it up for the best panel in the universe. Thanks everyone for coming. Have a great rest of your day and please make sure to fill out your surveys. We look forward to seeing you. Have a great summer. We'll see you in the fall.